0: This morning, I, I, I want to, it was interesting, the songs we sang in worship and, and some of the things Billy shared, it, it's how, you know, it's amazing how God weaves together things. One of the things when we planted this church, one of the desires of, I believe, God's heart, and, and, and he, over the years he has, he's made a desire of my heart, is to provide a place of refuge where people that are broken and messed up can gather. And they're not judged, they're not condemned, they're not executed, they're just loved. Hey, I've shared this over and over and over, folks. We're all messed up. Okay? Some of us just keep it hidden better than others. And sometimes because God wants to heal us, He takes us to the place where where our brokenness gets exposed and everybody else sometimes gets to see it. Okay, that's just reality. If you run long enough, listen, trust me on this one. He will put you in a corner and he will pull back the curtain because he loves you that much. He doesn't want you to function broken and messed up all the time. He wants to heal you. And so one of our desires was to be it is to be a place of refuge, but it's also to be a place of restoration, a place where We can just love each other in spite of, okay? I I tell y'all this all the time, and I I hope you believe me. Those of you that that really know me and have known me most of my life, I'm messed up, okay? I just am. I make mistakes all the time. I've got stuff that that if if, if God unveiled, you know what? I'd be embarrassed. I'm messed up. That's just reality. But God is working on me. And here's the thing. It's not... My job to work on you, it's not your job to work on me or for us to work on each other. It's our job just to love one another as God puts back the broken pieces on it. It's his job to fix us, okay? But what's happened in the church is we have become a very, you know, and and when I say we, I'm talking about the church in general, has become a very legalistic place where if you can't keep the rules and you can't do what's expected, then we don't want you, we don't need you. Folks, I don't find that in the life of Jesus. I find Jesus hunting those people out. Okay? The same thing had happened in his day. If you couldn't do this and you couldn't do that and you didn't do this and you didn't do that and you didn't give this and you didn't give that, then they didn't need you at the temple. Because really they wanted you for what you could bring, what you could give. Okay? They didn't care that you were hurting or wounded. And that's the world that Jesus walked into. Jesus truly loved people. And folks, if we will truly love one another, okay, I'm not, listen to me, I'm not saying that we don't confront sin. But I'm saying this, if we'll love the sinner, God will confront the sin. He'll take care. That's his job. He will deal with that. He's dealt with it in my life. He's dealt with it in your life. But if we'll just love one another in spite of, I want to tell you, this church will grow. It's growing, okay? And one of the reasons it is is because people have heard, you know what, if you're messed up, you can go there. (laughs) (laughs) They'll let you in. You'll be among your kind. That's a good thing, okay? That really is a good thing. And if we'll just love each other, if we'll just, I mean, when you're healing, sometimes you need somebody to walk with you for a while. Sometimes you need people that that have more wisdom who've walked through those things to point out things and pitfalls or just say, hey, bro, sister, you're doing it again. And if you keep doing it, you're going to end up in the same place you were. we've We've got to learn to love each other. Okay. Instead of just say it with our words. And last week we talked about we're in a series and we're talking about normal Christianity. And if you hadn't been here, we're calling normal Christianity the lifestyle of Jesus. What Jesus lived out, that's normal. He's the standard by which we measure our Christianity. Jesus wasn't the first Christian, he was the Christ. Okay? but all his followers after him have been called Christians little christ so we are to we are to uh, exemplify we are to live out we are to model his life in everything that we do we've we've looked at a passage in 1 John that that tells us if if we're going to claim to be and belong to Jesus then we ought to walk As Jesus walked. That means we ought to do the things Jesus did. We ought to think the way Jesus thought. We ought to speak the way Jesus spoke. We ought to be like Jesus. In other words, when people see us, they shouldn't see Nelson. Even on his worst day, they should see Jesus. Now, I'm not quite there yet, okay? I'm just telling you, and I imagine you're not either, but you're in good company because we're all struggling. But we need to be like Jesus. And last week, we talked about orphan thinking and and thinking that that God can't love us because we've messed up. This week, we want to talk about stinking thinking, okay? And that is that uh, we struggle to love each other. And it was interesting how this morning has all worked out. But how and what we think, folks, determines what we become and what we do. Someone has rightly says, you are what you think. And right thinking is essential if we want to walk as Jesus walked. If, if we want to be normal Christians instead of just simply average Jesus is our standard. He's he's the gold standard that that we attain to. Therefore, we have to learn to think like Jesus thought. And last week, like I said, we learned that we've got to receive God's love before we can actually love God, okay? Jesus told us in, uh, in, in Matthew that we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Well, before I can do that... I've got to be able to receive His love to me so that I even understand what that kind of love's like. Last week we learned that. And, and we learned that to, you've, got, you've got to receive the Father's love and just rest in it. You don't have to earn it. You don't. Des- we, we don't deserve it. We don't have to earn it, though. God loved Jesus, and He loves Jesus. But you know what? God loves you and me just as much as He loves Jesus. I want you to, that's exactly what I said. God loves you just as much as He loves Jesus. I'll never forget it's been about 12 years ago. I read this verse and i would read it a lot of times. But in John 17 in the latter part of verse 23, uh, I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because I just like the way it, it says it. But it says, Jesus said this, he's, he's praying. He's, this is what we call his high priestly prayer, John 17. He's praying. And he, he's talking to the Father. He's praying for, for, uh, for that, that, that the world would see that he and the Father were one, that the world would see how much he loved them. He was praying for, also for his disciples. But he's also, folks, praying for us. And in that passage in John 17, the latter part of verse 23, Jesus says this, then the world will know that you sent me. And they will understand that you love them. Who's that them? That's, that's the people that would follow Jesus. That you love them as much as you love me. Now, when I read that, here's what happened. My brain blew up for a moment. It still blows up. Every time I read that, I can't fathom that the God in heaven loves his son. I know I understand how much he loves his son, or I think I do, as best I can as a human being. But I don't understand how he could love me as much as he loves his son. But that's what Jesus said. And Jesus doesn't lie. And you know what? Jesus rested in God's love. And he was willing to receive it. We looked at the passage last week where at his baptism, God spoke. And he spoke so that not just the people Jesus could hear. He didn't speak necessarily. He spoke to Jesus. But it was more for everything else, creation. And he said, this is my beloved son, the son I love, in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus hadn't done anything yet. And God says, he's validated, I love him. And Jesus understood that. And he rested in that, folks. And his ministry was far more than the love of God proclaimed. In other words, he didn't just preach, God loves you. He he didn't just tell the the prostitutes and the lepers and and those that were were sick, those that were uh, demonized. He didn't just tell them that God loved them. He demonstrated that God loved them. Folks, he demonstrated it not with just a, a wave over them. He embraced them. He took hold of them. It was high definition, okay? If you want to know what God's love looks like, just look at Jesus because he's God turned inside out. We get to see God's heart in Jesus. And thinking somehow that, that we can somehow make or do something that will cause God to love us more like I said, it is orphan thinking. And it has to go. Because only when we're able to receive God's love, His unconditional love, can we truly love God. Now that's, that's a rehash of last week's sermon, but there's a second part that we need to understand. Jesus loved God, but He also loved people. Okay? I don't think anybody in here would argue Against that fact that Jesus loved people. Jesus summed up in the Old Testament scriptures. He he summed up the Old Testament scriptures by giving them a command. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor. And that's where we stop. I've got to love my neighbor. But there's a prerequisite to loving my neighbor. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. On these two commandments, the whole depend, the whole of the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets was was the, the, the first century Jewish way of saying the scriptures. That's all that was. Loving God is a non-negotiable, but so is the admonition to love others. In fact, Jesus says this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Orphan thinking keeps us from loving God, but stinking thinking keeps us from loving our neighbors. I want, you to, I want to ask you, did you hear what Jesus commanded? He says, love your neighbors. That's where most of us stop. But that's not all he said. He said, love your neighbors as Yourself. That prerequisite there for loving your neighbor is that, that we have to love them as much as we love ourselves, which means we have to first love self. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. That kind of thought right there and that kind of preaching right there leads to narcissism. Okay, it leads to selfishness and it leads to an infatuation with me, my. And I, no, it really doesn't. Because, folks, we can only love others based on our ability to love ourselves. You want to look at the world and see the mess it's in? That's how much we love one another, okay? That's how much we love ourselves. If we loved ourselves unconditionally, then we could love them unconditionally. Jesus loved others unconditionally. Not conditionally. Not conditionally. He didn't love them if. He loved them in spite of. Folks, normal demands an unconditional kind of love. But most of us are poisoned with what I call stinking thinking when it comes to this issue. We don't love others unconditionally. Because we don't love ourselves unconditionally. Most of us grew up in churches that emphasized this phrase. We are dirty, y'all can say it with me, rotten, stinking sinners. I heard that all my life, okay? I didn't really need the pastor to tell me that. I knew it. Okay? I understood that. But most of us grew up in a church where that was who we were and who we are. But the problem is that phrase doesn't differentiate, doesn't make a division, doesn't make a difference between who we were before Christ and what the Bible says we are in Christ. Now, there's a difference, okay? Either that or the Bible is wrong. And I don't believe it is. Scripture tells us that, that when Christ came to live in us, we were translated from the kingdom of darkness. Folks, we got, I mean, they zapped us from one place to another. We went from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Scripture tells us that we became a new creation. And literally what that means is that means we became a new species. We were no longer the human beings that we used to be. We were completely different. There's one amen in the bunch, okay? <laughs> it's completely different. The old me died and god made a new me through jesus and if you know jesus today the moment you came to know him the old you died and you became a new creation in jesus christ okay we may st- we are are saints and you've heard me teach on this before the bible says we're saints we're holy ones we've been set apart unto God. He's consecrated us and made us holy through his holiness and through his righteousness. Not our own, but his. He's given us his righteousness. And he says we are saints. We are his holy ones. And folks, here's here's the reality. If I look at myself that way, I act differently. But if I choose to look at myself in the way I was trained and taught as a dirty, rotten, stinking (laughs) sinner, then you know what? I act differently. God doesn't see us that way. When he looks at you, he looks through the cleansing blood of Jesus and he sees a new creation. He sees a son. He sees a daughter. Folks, something took place in that moment. Most Christians are waiting to die so they can get to heaven and live it up. Honestly, that's the theology I hear all the time. Heaven is a wonderful place, don't get me wrong, okay? Don't get me wrong. But Jesus didn't die just to give us eternal life, He also gave us abundant life. And that abundant life doesn't begin when I take my last breath here. It begins when I take my first breath as a new creation in Christ. Okay? Most of us are going to get to heaven and we're not going to know how to act because we haven't practiced. We're going to have to go to remedial heaven 101 instead of getting right into it and and getting on with it, okay? And the problem is we've believed that thought process that we're worthless. We're useless. That, that, you know, we can't do anything. And we can't. But Jesus can. But when Jesus saved us and he put his spirit in us, folks, something happened. We became new creations. Yet, most pastors and most churches continue to beat their sheep over the head with the, you're a dirty, rotten, stinking sinner stick. And because of that, most Christians are blinded to the value and the the worth that Christ sees in them, okay? We we don't realize how much or how valuable we are. Let me ask this question. I don't want anybody to answer. I just, I want you to think about this. What happens when you sin? What is the process in your mind? What takes place almost immediately? I don't want y'all to answer, okay? Don't answer. <laughs> okay, don't answer. Y'all are not listening to me. But what goes through your mind? There's a whole lot of things go through our mind, right? Sure, at some point you ask for forgiveness. And, and l- listen to me, the closer you walk to Jesus, with Jesus, the quicker you'll ask forgiveness. Okay, that's just a reality. But what happens is most of the time, after it takes place, As somebody just said, there's guilt, Jim. (laughs) Guilt's a good thing, okay? Guilt brings change. But guilt that just continues to replay the scenario soon becomes shame. And guess what? That didn't come from God. And what happens is we begin to beat ourselves up, we get disappointed, we get depressed, we get angry. We 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 look at what we've done and, and we and we just we beat ourselves up because we've failed. And folks, that is stinking thinking. You say, well, Pastor, that's what we're supposed to do. That makes us act differently. I don't think it does because you'll probably sin again at some point and go through the process again. So is it working? No, it's not. I'll answer that one for you. But listen, what it does is it proves That our love for ourselves is based on our performance. And it proves that our love for ourselves is therefore conditional. Now remember, God loves us unconditionally. And he calls on us to love others the same way. But if I don't love me, okay? If I'm all the time condemning me, guess what I will do with others? I'll condemn. I won't love them the way Christ loved others. Me. Now you may say, well Nelson, you know, that all sounds good, but I don't really believe that because I'm not worth that much. Well, maybe I need to ask you a question. Maybe you need to ask yourself a question. How much value and worth do you really have? How valuable are you? I mean, I don't want you to ask that. I want you to ask yourself, how valuable am I? What am I worth? And I can hear some of you, your minds turning, Listen, preacher, you don't know the things I've done. You don't know what I've said. You don't know where I've been. Uh, you, You don't know what's going on this past week. Nope, I don't. But value and worth are not measured in that. Okay? Value and worth are determined by what someone else will pay for it. Okay? When something is valuable, you can put whatever price you want on it. But the reality of it is, if nobody's willing to give you that, it's not worth that. God was willing to pay for you. And when I say that, I mean every person in this room, including myself. He was willing to pay for you with the death and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. That's why, why, you. He was willing to pay for you with the death of his son. In other words, he felt like you were that valuable that he would exchange his son for you. Now, if that's not true, God made a bad investment. But that is true. I've heard this said, and I I believe it's true, that had you or I been the only person on this earth, Jesus would have died for us. He would have exchanged himself for us. And folks, if, if we're not, if we can't grasp the value and the worth we have in Jesus Christ, if we can't understand that we are of equal value to him, then we won't grasp how God could love us as much as he loves Jesus, and we won't love ourselves. And if we don't love ourselves, guess what? Everybody else is on their own, Okay? Some of you this morning, when you look in the mirror, you see your past performance. You see your present reputation. You don't see what God sees, and you don't hear what God says. And what happens is, because of that, you can't love others because you don't love yourself. And you don't love yourself because you're afraid that if you do and you love others in the same way, you'll be rejected. You'll be hurt. You'll be wounded again. So you love others conditionally. A little here, a little there, based on the performance of that other person. Based on what that person does or doesn't do. And we're afraid to love unconditionally because in your own assessment, they're not worth it. Because you're not worth it. And folks, when that happens, it's it's evident to people around us that we're loving, or we're using that word, we're loving because we're out to get something. Instead of seeing people in need, we see people who want something. We look with suspicion at the situation and we judge them on a set of rules and on a set of regulations that, hey, we can't keep either. But yet we hold them to a higher standard of judgment. And what we see, we give names to. We we call them down and outers, we call them beggars or gutter rats or sinners or reprobates or thugs or alcoholics or drug addicts or or lazy or won't work or con men or or liars, or perverts. Our problem is we don't see the people. Okay? We see the sin that that person may be mired in, but we don't see the people. Jesus saw people. He didn't see their situations, or their circumstances, or their social level, or or, uh, their sin. He saw people. Human beings. He made no judgment. He just saw people. Our problem is we don't see people. Jesus saw them and he loved them. There's a verse in in Matthew that uh, I just love to read it. I I like the way it sounds. It, It meets something in my heart every time I read it. It says, seeing the people, Jesus felt compassion for them because they were distressed. That word distressed means they were harassed. And they were dispirited. They They were scattered and thrown around on the ground. They were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was able to see the person and in seeing the person, he saw their value. He looked at them with god's eyes he understood the unconditional love of god his love for self was unconditional and therefore he could look at them unconditionally did he know they were sinners yes did he know they were prostitutes yes did he know they were thieves yes but that wasn't the issue The issue was, they are human beings made in the image and the likeness of God. And my mission is to seek and to save them because they are lost. They're lost. They're lost in the high grass. They'll never find their way back out. He didn't say, oh, she's a sinner. Uh, uh, Oh, he's he's a thief. that, That wasn't what was flowing through his mind. Because... He understood the love of God. It was unconditional. Just because they were a, a thief or a sinner didn't mean they couldn't be loved. Didn't mean they didn't need love. That may have, become, may have been why they became sinners and, and thieves and liars and prostitutes is because they didn't have any love. Folks, a lot of the people that we see that, that we're, we're afraid to go near are in that condition because no one has ever loved them. And can I just tell you this? There are tons of wounded preachers who've never been loved. Now, now don't rush up here and all that with me, okay? <laughs> I'm feeling loved right now. But there, there are guys that, they, they, they weren't loved, so they got into ministry so they could feel a gaping hole in them, and they don't have a clue what love is. And so what they preach is a very condemning gospel, Because condemnation is a tool that you can control people and get them to do what you want, which is to love you. But here's reality. They don't really love you. (laughs) Okay? They don't. I mean, I know. I've I've been in church for a while. It's not my first day at the rodeo. Okay? I've lived on the other side of the curtain. I know what it's like. But Jesus saw people, and he, he just saw them. There's a story in Scripture that it's one of my favorite stories. It's the story of where Jesus has been invited to the home of, of Simon the Pharisee, and, and Jesus he's been invited to, to a banquet, He's the guest of honor, and, and there all, all his disciples are there, and they're out with the guest and the, the big wigs in the community, and they're all stretched out, and they're having a, a wonderful meal, and a woman appears and she slips in to the side against the wall. Now we, we read that, and we don't really understand the custom, but that was a normal thing in that day. Whenever a party was held, everybody else could slide in and watch it. it they didn't have TV, okay? So they just watched it in living color. They just slid in. As long as they didn't make a, a spectacle of themselves, didn't call any attention to themselves, they could stay kind of in the background and observe. And so she slips in. Well... Simon knows this woman, okay? She has a reputation. And Simon thinks to his mind, and she begins to, all of a sudden she's she's standing, he's watching all this. She's standing against the wall, then she just kind of drops down on her knees. And she begins to sob. It's silent at first, but it becomes louder until people can hear it. And it's just uncontrollable and and her tears are, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody that was really weeping, but man, there's a lot of tears can come out of your eyes when your heart's broken. And she begins to weep and those tears begin to fall on Jesus' feet. And so she, she takes her hair down which is something no woman ever did in public in that, in that culture. And she begins to dry. And the more she dries, the more she cries. Okay? And she's drying. She's crying. I mean, it's just, it goes on. And I mean, it's, now everybody's doing this. What in the world is going on? And Simon, he, he's thinking to himself, if this man were really a prophet label, he would know she is a notorious sinner, label. He's not thinking in, I wonder what's wrong with this lady. What's going to happen? And I love what, what Jesus says. All Simon saw was a sinner. And Jesus asks him, him a question in Luke chapter 7 44. He says this, do you see this woman? Do you see her? See, Simon didn't see her. He saw an object. He saw a a piece of garbage. He saw someone that was worse than the worst who didn't even deserve to be in his home. He didn't see her. And Jesus says, do you see this woman? Do you see her as a human being? As a person created in the image and likeness of God. Do you see her as a person God loves and one you should love as well? See, that's what really Jesus is getting at. We tend to judge Simon harshly. But the reality is, is most of us are Simons. Okay? Most of us are Simons. Most of us employ the same judgmental tendencies. Why? Because we don't love ourselves. So how can we love somebody else? And you know what? If somebody else is what we perceive worse off than we are, it makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Jesus saw this woman as a sheep, as a lamb. A lamb without a shepherd. And he loved her un. Conditionally, Did he love her because she had poured out perfume on his feet and was now washing his, her feet with her, with her tears and, and drying them with her hair? No. He loved her because she was made in the image of God, in the likeness in the image of God. He loved her because she was a person. Did he love her because she had come to his feet and, 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 or maybe met him earlier and repented? No, he just loved her. Why? How could he just love her? Because he understood what God's love was like. And he was able to receive that. And and therefore he could love himself. He could could relax in who he was. He he, he wasn't threatened by her. Simon was afraid. Doesn't he know touching him? If, If she touches him, he'll be unclean. He wasn't worried about being unclean. He wasn't worried about getting his hands soiled. He wasn't worried about what people would say. Why? Because he knew he was loved. He knew that God loved him, whether or not he had dirt under his fingernails or junk on his sandals. He knew God loved him. And because he knew that and could rest in it, folks, he he could love himself. I'm okay. I'm the son of God. Now, I know that sounds a little strange because we're we're conditioned to to all we think about is he's the son of God. But, folks, he is also the son of man. Okay? He's one of us. He's one of us without the sin nature. And so he sees this woman. And he gets involved in her life. He calls the host's attention to what she's doing and then he rebukes the host. Look, when I came in your house, bro, you didn't give me any oil for my head. You didn't wash my feet. And you didn't give me a kiss of greeting, which were three things. If you were a host, those were the things that made you the host with the most, okay? That's, that was expected. That was the stuff that you did for anybody who came to your house. He didn't do that. And Jesus said, she's done all of that. She's done all of that. Folks, he saw her and he got involved. And the reason we don't get involved is because in in, in certain kinds of ministry and with certain kinds of people is because we're afraid to love people. Jesus looked at her and he wasn't afraid of her sin. Okay? Listen to me. Just because you rub shoulders with a thief doesn't mean you're going to be a thief. Just because you have a conversation with a liar doesn't mean you're going to become a liar. That's not how it works. That, it doesn't come from, that, from the outside in. It comes from the inside out. That's what Scripture teaches. And so Jesus wasn't afraid. Of, he wasn't afraid that, 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 she, that she would reject him or, or that he might be contaminated. He, he didn't have any of those issues. And so he got involved with her because he loved her. And you may be saying, well, why in the world would I do that? Because last time I did that, I got rejected. I got hurt. Well, unconditional love is not afraid of being hurt rejected. And if you and I want to walk in the kind of love he walked in, we have to walk in that kind of love. See, we're afraid. And Scripture says in 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. But love casts out all fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. What's he saying there? Well, he's saying that that, that unconditional love is perfected love. But conditional love is a love that's conceived out of a fear of not measuring up. And if I don't measure up, then there's punishment. There's hell to pay at some place. Some of us we were brought up in homes like that. Where if I didn't measure up to the rules, boom, there was bad things going to happen. Folks, that's not God. Okay? That's not God. If you and I have to measure up to a standard God has, we'll never get there on our own. That's why Jesus came and did it. And then he put his Holy Spirit in us to ensure that we could do it. Okay? And that's the only reason any of us can do it is because he lives in us. And so what happens is, 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 is we, our love is conditioned on measuring up. It's not on performing to a standard. And what happens is we're afraid because we're going to fail. We're afraid to love. Conditional love seeks to protect itself just think about this for a minute. The reason we love with conditions is, is we want to we protect ourselves. We want to get the most for giving the least. The less I give, the less chance I get hurt. That's just reality. The more they give, the more I get. Why not let them take the chance and I'll just hide behind my wall? Folks, that's where most of us live. And what happens is conditional love uses people for selfish purposes. But unconditional love sets people free. It sets them free to to give love, but also to receive love. And Jesus loved people with unconditional love. He was transparent. He was vulnerable. He expressed what he thought. He acted on his thinking. And what happens is we see the the love of God displayed for everybody. When you and I refuse to be vulnerable or transparent with our hearts and our emotion, it proves that, you know what, we don't have any trust. And that really we're just selfish. It proves our main desire is to protect ourselves. And listen, you can't protect yourself and love unconditionally. That's just reality unconditional love for others stems from an unconditional love of oneself who's receiving the unconditional love of God. When you and I realize that God loves us who we are, the way we are, it takes a lot of pressure off. And if you can just begin to love yourself, you know what? I don't have it all together. I'm messed up. I'm this. I'm that. And God still loves me. You know what? I need to give myself a break. I need to love me too. I may not have it all together, but you know what? God's in charge of that. I may still mess up, but you know what? God's in charge of that. The Bible doesn't say that we ourselves are conforming to the image of Christ. It says that God is conforming us to the image of Christ. He's doing the work. We often use a passage of Scripture. Brides love it. Weddings are notorious for it. And it sounds really good. But most of us don't really understand that really what Paul is doing is he's defining unconditional love. He's giving us a picture of what it looks like. And, and really, he could have just said, love is Jesus. Jesus is love. That's what he, he could have said that. But instead, this is what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, starting with with verse 4. He says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous. Love doesn't brag. It's not arrogant. It does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. It does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. Folks, that's what the kind of love I'm talking about looks like. That's the kind of love God expects us to love him with because it's the same kind of love he loves us with. It's the love he expects us to love others with. But until you and I learn how to love ourselves that way, We're limited. We're limited. Normal Christianity. And by that I mean walking the way that Jesus walked begins right here and right here. It begins in our heart and our mind. It begins with how we receive and understand and how we give love. Jesus loved God with all his heart, his soul, and his mind because he was receiving the love of God and he could rest in it. That's last week's sermon, okay? Okay? If you didn't go home and you didn't receive a little bit and begin to practice that, you're not going to be doing anything with today's either, okay? Because you you can't do what I'm talking about today until you do what I talked about last week. Until you learn to receive the love of God freely and just rest in it. You're not going to be able to love Him. And if you don't love Him, you're not certainly going to love yourself. And if you don't love yourself, you can't love anybody else unconditionally. Jesus could love God because he knew God loved him. He didn't suffer from orphan thinking. And he could also love others unconditionally because he loved himself. He was comfortable with who he was. He was okay to be Jesus in his own skin. So let me ask you a question this morning. How about you? Are you struggling with you? Do you grade yourself on a performance-based scale? Do you base your value and worth on that scale? Or maybe you've done this. You've listened to somebody else tell you who you are and what you are. You've listened to somebody else's opinion of your value. Is that value based on what they said or is it based on what God demonstrated? Are you struggling to love other people because you're afraid you'll get hurt? Are you afraid you'll get rejected or disappointed? Listen to me. If that's where you're at this morning, God wants to change that. That's stinking thinking. And if I st- if I think stinking things, guess what I will do? Stinking things. I won't love my neighbor. I'll keep them at arm's length. Heck, I won't even love the people I go to church with. And when one of them messes up, you know what? We'll just execute them right there in the middle of the, of the service. And you know what? That'll keep everybody else in line. None of them will do that again. Now you laugh at that. I mean, and I'm in it for you to laugh at. But that's what we do. That's most churches. Well, we'll just turn our back on them. We won't have anything. Don't have anything to do with them, or worse. Do, 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 do. Hey, hey, hey! I got a prayer request. Did you hear about Sister So and So? Oh Yeah, 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 yeah. You wouldn't. Be, you're not gonna believe it. It's not a prayer request. It's a gossip fest. Okay. It's and really what it is is hey let's pick up some stones and let's throw at them because Jesus doesn't seem to be there to say hey you without sin take up the first one and chunk it y'all know what I'm talking about folks and until we get to the place where we love ourselves that's not going to change the reason we. Do that to others is because we think that way of ourselves. We do that to ourselves. Jesus is here this morning, and I, you know, I don't know what he wants to do. I know what he wants to do, but I don't know how he wants to do it with you. Folks, he's looking for some people who will love people in spite of the garbage and the mess that comes with them. He's fully capable of separating the garbage and the mess if we'll just love. If we'll just demonstrate our love to them. One of the things and I, I didn't go into ministry with this okay? I, I, I just confess that. I had a very judgmental uh, boom, boom 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 mindset. But when God put me in a room, one-on-one, with messed up people every day. You know what he gave me? He gave me a compassion. I would sit and listen I'm thinking, you know what, I've thought the same thing. I've done the same thing. What gives me the right to sit over here and them the right to sit over there? You know what they're not and, and all of a sudden I begin to see people with with love and and I got to the place where I was no longer shocked by what they would share. It no longer I mean I didn't have to sit like this so my mouth wouldn't fall on the ground. And God over time gave me a compassion for people. Folks The reality is all of us are broken. All of us. And you'll never be repaired until you realize you're broken first. Because you won't ever seek out the one who can repair you. If you don't think you're broken. Listen, money can't help brokenness. Nice homes can't help brokenness. Prestige and respect in the community can't cure brokenness. Jesus is the only one who can put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Okay? All of us have fallen off the wall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But the king could. And the king can. Folks, if we want to be like Jesus, and if we want to walk as Jesus walked, and I'll be honest with you, when I started... Considering this series, I was thinking about the things that Jesus did, the miracles, and we'll get to those. But here's the reality. If I don't take the prerequisite classes, and I don't do the prerequisite things, then I will never enjoy the other things. If I can't love God and love people, I'm never going to see miraculous things take place because I'm in love with myself and I'll end up doing those things for selfish reasons. And listen to me, God never shares his glory. Okay? He's jealous about that. So we've got to learn the basics. Next week I'm going to talk about grace a little bit. Okay, because it's important. If, if we understand loving God, loving people, and we understand grace, I mean really understand grace, I won't have any problem dealing with people that are messed up. I won't have any problem dealing with my own messed up stuff. I'll understand the mindset of Jesus. I'll understand the grids through which he thought and how he looked at people. Folks, it has to start Somewhere. Last week, I invited you to go home and and just get along with God and just receive a little bit. I would ask you to raise your hands, but I don't want to embarrass most of you, okay? This week, it just comes down to admitting, God, I am who I am. And you love me in spite of that. Teach me to love me in spite of that. So that I can love others in spite of that. Folks, that's just a little trailer we pull. It's not us. If I learn to love God and learn to do what God says, He'll separate me at some point from that little trailer. I won't have to pull it around anymore. I won't have to drag that suitcase with me. But I have to let go of it. Okay? I have to unclasp my fist from around it. Because that's not me. That's what I've done. That's what I've said. That's how I've acted. God sees me. And He sees you. Folks, when you start to really see you, and you understand who God is... It changes things. It changes how you respond to broken people. It changes how fast, how quickly, maybe that's a better word, how quickly you pick up a rock and chunk it. it. Changes the way you talk about people, the way you think about people. Listen to me, only the Holy Spirit can do that. I could preach to you till two or three o'clock this afternoon and it wouldn't help anything. Only the Spirit of God can change that. But folks, if we are going to walk as Jesus walked, we're going to have to learn how to love God, and we're going to have to learn how to love people, which means we're going to have to learn how to receive God's love and love ourselves. Let's pray. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.EaglesWingChurch.org or on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.